had many dead days between the leaving of Ninut and the exit. We filled them all with waiting. Many waited for friends or family they hoped would follow. Some waited for escape, I think. Children waited to understand. The parish? We waited for an awakening, watched each other from the edges, a nervous flock. I did keep records, but I overwrote each day the next. Not the normal practice, but the days all seemed like one. A heavy pause, a stutter. I replaced all of our yesterdays, like I could erase the endless hesitation, as though the village wasn't there at all. I kept the colours, though, hoarded up long nets of sunrise. Soft pinks and sharp yellows, crystal, vibrant blues. Light spills into the world in fragments there. Shards of violet and vermilion cast over the shadow of the Sharrow's deep path. Each morning I watched, astounded, and each morning I watched alone. Ah, see, the people of Ninut have little use for Hugh. They have spent their names instead on shades. They will show you the difference in a hundred darknesses and shrug away that wildflower dawn. They kept their heads down as the days broke through the old bones of that village, and when they raised their faces to the kind light sunset instead, I had no place to join them yet. I learned many words for brightness, waiting for the sky to bring a storm, a sign, a change, waiting for Ninut to show their colours. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, a story game podcast. This is our very first episode of our debut season, Tiding. Joining me on this season are Ryan Evans. Hello, I'm Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray, and I take pictures of people's souls for a living. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm uh, not award-winning actor and banjo suit star Steve Martin. You can find me on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. Fryn Henderson. Hi, I'm uh, Fryn Henderson. I'm a game designer and a PhD student, and you can find me on Twitter at Therin. And Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Simones, also known as Ziz. I'm a live game designer, and you can find me on Twitter at Games. And you can follow this podcast at, Ryan? At Flimsy Rituals. Great. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. I'm a game designer and writer, and you can follow me at AdTDixon, A-D-T-I Dixon. Okay. You've been here for about two weeks. The old, abandoned village upstream from Ninut. There about... Two dozen of you. Five of you were part of the parish, the followers of the Weaver Filter. The rest of you are people from Ninut itself. People who decided to follow the parish and leave your old life behind when the community fell apart. The village was discovered by you all earlier this year. It's, it's not a place that you knew about before then, but it seems to have been around for a while. It seems to be slightly different from your village, the, the, the way that it's built, it, it still seems to be mainly built of stone, but the roofs of the houses are made out of straw and wheat. Most of the buildings have wooden posts uh, strewn like all, all across the wall, some have beams across the top, but basically it seems like there's perches built into all of the houses um, that seems, seems to be made for birds. There's a fountain in the centre of the village which seems to have a wooden structure built around it, which seems to also be built for birds, and there's a deep well in the middle. There's maybe half a dozen buildings kind of huddled together, which form the main village. 
alongside one one building that's slightly different from the rest, which is alongside the river, uh, which is like a circular building painted white with a conical roof. You've been here for a couple of weeks now, waiting for stragglers to arrive, and there's kind of a malaise that's set in. People are unsure about what to do next. Every night there are kind of arguments and discussions, maybe we should leave, is this the time? But generally more people have been turning up, so you've decided to stay. But no one new has turned up for the last two days. And most people seem to be ready to move on. There were two, and what for hasn't been decided. So I think I'd like to start by zooming down. I, I kind of imagining the scene. It's probably midday in the village. It's cold. They're, they're kind of like the early frosts and snows. But it's quite bright. There's a low winter sun. And I'd like to zoom down on Charla and whatever she's doing during the day. Um, I imagine, yeah, playing on all of the bird perches because you can jump from one to the other on the side of the of the different buildings and encouraging all of the children around her to do the same. Of course, of course. Of course. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so how many are with you? Probably about half a dozen okay. of the kids. Yeah, so probably most of them, I imagine. Most of them. Not all of them are following along and jumping from perch to perch. Some of them are just kind of watching, but okay. generally very persuasive. So... <laughs> Yeah, that seems to do the way. And how are you feeling about being, I guess, cooped up in this village? I think a bit frustrated. Because it's new, but then we've been here for a bit. And it's not that new, because we haven't gotten very far. So I think I think frustrated. A little, like, sure. uh, cabin fever. That makes sense. And have you been exploring it? Uh, exploring the village, but not much beyond it. So I'm kind of imagining, like, most of these buildings have been taken over by the families and stuff, so you've probably seen most of them. The only one that you're not allowed to go in, it's kind of been forbidden, is the white circular building alongside the river. Well, that's definitely where I'm going then. Uh, just you? So, no, so it'll be myself and maybe two or three of the other kids, which are however many I can convince. But, like, the older ones, not not going to take, like, a, a three-year-old looking for this one. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm not sure why I had a three-year-old jumping from perch to perch, but oh well. <laughs> Briss has explained several times to Corin that he is not allowed anywhere near that building. No arguments, no, no reasons given. It's just, it's dangerous, you're not allowed to go there, because I said so. And if you see any of the other kids doing it, you need to tell me. Aww. Well, you're not here right now, so that's fine. Yeah, I'm probably... I think Briss is probably actually outside outside the village, uh, exploring the nearby landscape, just trying to get the lay of the land, and trusting Corin to listen to her. Well. Because that's going to happen. I'm, I'm expecting to be disappointed here, but... <laughs> <laughs> Briss, Briss uh, is used to being obeyed. How old is Corin again? I think he was... He was about... Uh, like similar teens? age. Yeah. Yeah. I think old enough to be led astray. Ah, oh, very excellent. much so. Very much so. <laughs> so it sounds like this is probably a good time to do a pack leader move. Yes, it does. Which is when you play with other kids, roll. On a ten plus you become a leader of your pack and hold three. On a seven to nine hold one. Spend hold one for one to get the other kids to do what you want. Alright. Well How are you feeling right now? Nervous, excited, because I've decided to go do this thing. 
probably more on the scared side, kind of like the rebellious, I want, I hope I don't get in trouble, but this is fun side. So that would be uh, rolling on scared, which gives me a plus two, because Chala is constantly doing things that make her scared in that way. Nice. And that's a 12. Wow, fair play. <laughs> so you hold three, um, sure. which you can spend one for one to get other kids to do what you want. Excellent. Well then, I will definitely convince... What other children do we have? We've got Corin. I've got my siblings. Yep, um, there is also... Yeah, so you've got two siblings. There's Fenrir, who is the parish child, who is, Ooh, I think, quite that. young. I think he's five or six. No, never mind. That sounds like a bad idea for an uh, expedition. There are two children called Aelin and Venrin, which... One is maybe 11, the other is maybe 9. Ah, that'll be good enough. So both old enough. Yeah, so... Probably mention, my guardian move says that at the start of the session, when you're ch- when the charge is in your care, I can make a roll, which means I can get them to do what I say. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> so, this is, this is... I'm just going to roll for my guardian thing. On the 10+, plus, I hold 3, 7 to 9, hold 1. I can spend one hold to get my charge to do as I say. To see whether he listens to your don't do what Charla says command. It's it's probably not going to work especially well for me. How are you feeling? I think this is powerful. She's expecting she's expecting uh, Corin to do what she says. She, she's in charge. This is so that's a, that's a plus one, which is only a seven. Um, so I can hold one. Um, so this is going to be the only thing I get to tell him to do today. <laughs> Stay away from the building. Okay. Do you want to use it on this? Absolutely. I probably also t- told him to do some chores and stuff as well. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not sure that he listened to those. Okay. So at the minute it's Charla, Aelin and Venwin. Are either of your siblings coming? Um, if Corin... Now, since Corin will not come with me, I guess I'll take one of my siblings, which I don't believe have names yet. Maybe the older sibling um, is yeah. called Tien. It's called what? Tien. Tien? That works. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so it'll be... Uh, Tien will come with me. Okay. So I'm kind of imagining you all stood at the base of the buildings and Charla being like, I'm bored, let's go do this. And you mention it to Corin. Do we have an idea of what Corin looks like? Um, I think he's he's quite similar to Briss. He's got dark hair, not quite black, but very dark brown pretty unkempt, fairly long. He's quite, not exactly gangly, but uh, slim uh, and a little bit clumsy. Okay. As you persuade the others to go, Corin just kind of stands there, arms crossed, like his bottom lip is kind of stuck out in protest. It's like, Briss said not to go, it's dangerous. Say, adults always say that. I don't think it's that big of a deal. They also told us not to jump on from perch to perch, and we're all fine. My plans always go really well. No, I'm not going. Briss said not to. Well, you don't have to go. I'll tell you what it's inside later, but you might miss out. Why can't we just play here? I'm bored. We've been playing here for two weeks. We can only jump on planks for so long. We can climb that tree. Why don't we climb that tree instead? We've already climbed that tree four times. I'm going to the building. Come on, let's go. Let's go. You're just coldly like leaving Corin behind. Yeah. Corin is definitely like 
like trying to like hold back sobs. Yeah, he's really not happy with it. <laughs> Tastes like the, the salt of tears on his lips. <laughs> Do I hear some sorrow? <laughs> so it's not like we're going away forever. We're just going to go look at his building. Okay. Um. Yeah. You get to the you get to the building. Um. It's as I described. It's like a circular building. Maybe like a little bit smaller than the rest of the buildings. Um, it's been painted white, and it has a conical roof, and it has a single entranceway, and there is someone stood outside it. I think it's maybe Shu, um, who is one of the hunters, and kind of, I guess, militia fighters in the village. He's like a youngish boy, maybe 19, who's kind of got dark skin, um, lots of freckles, and a shaven head. Um... I'm trying to decide whether to go and look at the bit that's eroded or try to convince Shu to let us in. I think I'm going to go and look at the bit that's eroded and see if there's a way in that way. Because we're quite small. Because we're children. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so you walk around the side of the building and you can see where the like the bottom of the building meets the river. Mm-hmm. It seems like some of the mud and the earth has been pulled away by the frost and the water. And it seems like some of the side of the building has subsided. As you kind of like look at it, you can see like pieces, almost like pieces of wood and brick have kind of pulled loose. And there seems to be a gap, maybe a meter down, uh, that seems to go into the building. And I will climb inside of that. Like underwater. Oh. Oh. How fast is the water? It's fairly fast. Like, it's not going to sweep you away. It's swimmable, but it will be dangerous. Well, I think I'm going to do it anyway. But tell the other kids to wait to follow me until I'm inside and I feel like yelled to them. Okay, so it's just, just you going in. Well, I'm going to go in, and then, like, once I've done it safely, I'll tell the other kids to come with me. So that we're not all trying to, like, we're not all bumping through that, like, at once. That makes sense. Um, are you a good swimmer? It's not a thing I've done a ton of, but pretty much all the stuff that Chala does is very active, whether it's jumping from plank to plank or climbing down cliffs or climbing trees. There, like, the, And we had the river before, so there's some swimming, but not like a very good swimmer, like an okay swimmer. Well, it sounds like you're tempting fate. Yes, it does. Which is, when you tempt fate, roll. On a 10 plus you do it, on a 7 to 9 you do it, but there's a cost, the MC can offer a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice, and if you fail, it's going to be even worse. So, how are you feeling right now? I would say definitely kind of anxious, I guess? Like, there's still excitement, but kind of anxious. This is a little bit scary, but I've convinced the kids to, like, all the other kids to follow me all the way out here, and so I don't want to kind of stop now. I think that would be under scared. I guess there's like a fear of like what you're doing plus a fear of like messing up in front of them. Wow. That is, because that's plus two and scared, that's a ten. So you do it. Um, So I do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's inside the building? What's inside the building? (laughs) Okay, um, you dive into the water, it's ice cold. Like, are you wearing your parka still? No, I, I I throw that to the side. I've I've okay. swam enough to know not to wear a huge wool parka. 
So you dive into the water and it's ice cold. It, it kind of takes your breath away for a second. You take a moment to catch your breath and you dive down and you swim through the hole in the building. And you kind of panic when you get in because you realise that, at least at this side of the building, the water is so high that there's nowhere to come up for breath. Oh no. But you keep swimming through and you push through and, and you find that eventually, because the building's kind of slanted and subsided, um, you, you manage to find a pocket of air to breathe in. And as you take your breath, you look around. It seems that you're in a space that is detached from the building above it. It's um, stone-lined walls. It seems to be a basement space. This floor seems to be totally submerged in water, but you can see stairs going up to another level. Through bits of the water, you can see kind of the edges of some of the room, and you can see that there seems to be, like, shelves lining the edges. Most of them appear to be empty, though some of them seem to have weird glassy stones on. That's exciting. What are you going to do? I think I'll swim I'll swim to go up the stairs so I have, like, more... I'm not swimming and breathing at the same time. I can kind of, like, rest for a minute. So you're going up the stairs? Yeah, going up the stairs. Okay, um, so the stairs are, are kind of in the centre of the room and they're kind of wooden stairs that go up and then there's like a hatch which you push through and you find yourself in another layer of this basement. It, it, it looks a lot like the layer you just came from. There are, there are shelves on the wall and they seem to be lined with these glass beads. But unlike the layer below, all of them appear to be intact. The water has only really touched one end of the room and only, only slightly. In the centre of the room appears to be a stone table, maybe six foot long and three foot wide, and there appear to be like some tools and books on there. Some strange things made out of glass and brass. Is there another level above this, or is this the... Yeah, there are more stairs going up. I think I'll keep going up the stairs. Okay. As you open this next hatch, you see sunlight. It seems to be filtering in from a window in this room, and you can see in the sunlight kind of specks of dust and of grain. You seem to be at the, the building level, the level that is above the surface, and it seems to be a storehouse full of uh, grains and cereals. That is less interesting. I'm going to go back downstairs <laughs> and take a look at the, the stuff on the table. Okay. Uh, can you read? Yeah, I can read, because um, I've been writing and yeah, I can read and write because of the cookbook. Sure. Um, whether you can read this language is interesting. I said I don't know about that, but but I can I can read one language and I can write in that same language. Okay, so on the table, um, a few different things. Um, there seems to be this device that seems to be it seems to have like a triangular base going upwards, and then in the center, kind of pinned to it, is almost like an hourglass shape. But the brass kind of curves into two arms, and one of them is holding a ball of glass, and the other one is empty. There is also a couple of, I guess, different sizes of knives. Like, most of them are quite thin. They don't look like weapons. They look more medical than anything. And, like, some pens that seem to have um, pointed tips and dark ink. And there are, of course, the, the couple of books that I mentioned. Neither of them seem to be in any kind of language that you know. Do Does it look like I could take... So is the glass that's in the instrument now one of the, like, the, the beads? It looks a lot like those. It's the same sort of size and weight, but it seems to be attached to the device, and it seems to be clear, unlike the other ones, which all seem to have a different colour inside. I'm going to go and grab 
two of sure. the ones from the shelf and put one of them in the thing and put the other one in some sort of if hopefully I have a pocket or a pouch or something that I brought with me. Yeah. As you place the one into into the device, the, the device kind of moves like a seesaw and it kind of balances perfectly straight in the middle. Is there any extra paper that doesn't have writing on it? No. Oh. But but there's paper you could rip out of the books. Yeah, okay, that works. Um, I'll pull a less important looking paper or just whatever's on top out of the book and kind of scrawl what I have seen. Was there any, were there any windows or anything? Like, is there the only way to get out of this place is that, have I seen the door? I don't think I've seen the door. Yeah, yeah, there's a door. There was a door in the level above this. Um, okay. Which would be the one that she was guarding. And there are a couple of windows on that level as well. Okay. Um, windows that seemed climb outable. Yeah, they're a bit high up, but there's probably stuff that you could move in order to climb out. That works. I will grab two more of the glass beads and head upstairs. Sure. The glass beads that you've got, one is sort of a deep red colour. Um, another one is like a milky white. And then the other one is yellow shot through with like pink, like a vivid Ooh. pink. Excellent. Um, and yeah, and then take everything and head upstairs to look at um, windows and stuff and see if there's, I guess, check to see if there's anything cool in the grain, but I'm not expecting much. <laughs> no, probably not. Okay, um, you have a look around upstairs and there are some windows kind of, I guess they start at like your sort of height, but there are definitely like boxes and crates around that you could put, put under them. Hay bales and whatnot. And then I will I will do that thing and try and climb out the window. Sure. Um, I think this can be another attempt for you. Okay. To, I, I assume you're trying to do it without the attention of Shu? Yeah, without the attention of Shu. How are you feeling right now? Super excited. Um, really happy. <laughs> This is this is this has been a great adventure, so I guess joyful. Cool. That did not go well. That did not go no. well. No. <laughs> uh oh. What happened, Kala? <laughs> <laughs> um. So the first thing you do is you mark an experience point. Okay. Oh, and just um, because I didn't actually say, I rolled a three. Yeah. Good. You're you're looking for a way to get out, and and you find these crates that you can move under a window, and you kind of start moving them around mm -hmm. inside the room and you manage to get one under the window and just as you're about to start climbing up it to climb out you hear the door open behind okay. you okay oh no i'm now i'm gonna be in trouble hmm and you hear um shu's voice chala of, of course it's you how did you get in here i'm also dripping wet so that's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> look at the state of you and you just feel him like grab the clothes on your back and goes come on you're not meant to be in here not probably not gonna argue at this point <laughs> Is there anything that you're obviously carrying? Um, well, my pockets are full. How big are these glass beads? <laughs> They're maybe like snooker ball sized. I I I don't know what a snooker ball is. Pool, pool, a pool oh, ball. Oh, okay. So on a tiny yeah. child, that would. <laughs> oh, I've got three of those in my pocket. So. One of the things you notice about Shu um, is that they appear to be wearing some of these glass beads, like, oh. as jewellery. Like, they've got one kind of attached to a piece of string. What colour is it? A deep brown colour? Oh. 
that kind of matches their eyes. Oh, okay. That's not as cool as my yellow with pink one, though. Uh, so I have those, but I don't know if Shu's going to notice it. I'm probably just going to try and quickly follow Shu and not cause any more attention to my, myself or my things. She's there like, right, where's your parents? We're going to take you to them. Uh, my grandmother is probably by the big fire. Uh, okay, um, starts leading you that way. Is your grandmother kind of nicer to you than your parents? Yeah. Um, my grandmother is awesome and is the one that helps me with the the um, cookbook and all of that and kind of welcomes the curiosity and exploration. Uh, um, I don't think my parents like that as much because they're parents. And I just swam sure. through a small hole underwater into a building I wasn't supposed to be in. As you're being led away, the other kids are just kind of stood watching, kind of like half laughing, half cheering I'd like to think that that one of them runs over with my, my parka, because I am quite cold at this point. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, and I think you get led um, to, I guess it's not lit at the minute, because it's kind of like earlier on in the day, but there's like a central fire where like a few people are sat around, like a few adults are sat around, and you, you, you see them looking at you, and like kind of, in that way adults do, that sort of knowing, judging oh, way. Chala kind of way. Like, what have you done this time? <laughs> And I imagine Tamil gives you, like, a bit of a dressing down. Like, she's in public. You know, she kind of expects you to get into trouble, but she still gives you a bit of a dressing down. So, Briss, um, you mentioned that you were maybe outside of the town. What are you doing? Um, I think Briss is kind of staying away from Corin a bit, trying to avoid talking with him too much, because she hasn't really figured out what to say, really. Um, there's There's a lot of... A lot of area to explore. There's hunting to be done. Um, we need to figure out what direction's best to go next because we're still way too close to where we left. We can't stay here. She's eager to get moving as soon as possible. Sure. Um, are you on your own? A lot of the time, yeah. Occasionally somebody else will join me, but for the most part I ask them to patrol other areas. Anyone who wants to be out and about, I sort of point them in the direction of hunting grounds that I've found or good places to keep a watch. So you're leading this right now, I guess, in a way? Yeah, I think so. Uh, or directing as much as as much as leading, but yeah. Sure. Is anyone with you right now? Uh, no. Okay. Um, which way are you exploring? Randomly, let's just go north. There's, there's, there's some woods this way um, that I haven't seen the end of yet, so I want to get a little bit deeper into them today. S see if I can find the if, if there's anything on the other side, or if they just carry on. Okay, so you've been exploring through these woods, uh, which run alongside the river as it curls northwards towards Carnvescal for the best part of the day. I imagine you might have even been out of the village for like a couple of days. To call them woods is to lend a like a significance to them that they don't quite deserve. That it's mainly made up of these uh, kawak trees, these spindly kind of crooked trees that seem to be the only sort of large, large piece of foliage that grows around here. They kind of grow tall with um with a flared like top, which is where the leaves are, like kind of too high for anyone to graze on. As you're wandering through the trees, you're you're nearing the base of Karn Veskel, which is uh, the largest mountain in this area. It kind of dominates uh, the surrounding landscape. Have you been this way before? 
Not this far, no. Uh, I know the forest stops some way up the mountain, but last time I explored these woods, uh, it was quite late in the day, so I didn't get very deep in. Uh, this time I've come straight here, and I want to see if there's a safe path to the mountain. Okay. Um, well, it sounds like you're maybe paying attention to the world around you. Yeah, I'd say so. Which is when you spend a moment to pay attention to the world around you, roll. On a 10+, plus, ask 3. On a 79, ask 1. When you act on an answer given, take plus one forward. Okie doke. All right, let's uh, let's roll on that. I think she's she's very much peaceful right now. It's it's quiet apart from the sound of birds in the trees. Um, she's on her own, which is ideal. Uh, and yeah, she's just in in her element, so to speak. So peaceful. So that's plus two nine. Nice. So you get to ask one question. Um, the possible questions are, what's my best way out, way in, way past? How is blank vulnerable to me? Which enemy is the biggest threat? What, if anything, appears out of place? What's my enemy's true position? Is this going to get worse before it gets better? What is the history of blank? What superstitions exist about blank? I think what, if anything, is out of place in this in these woods? Okay. So imagining it's winter, we've already kind of established... It's a cold day, but it's kind of frosty morning, bright winter sun. I think as you get towards um, Karn Veskel, um, some of the snow seems to have settled. And you spend a bit of time kind of just waiting for it, and then, and then you notice that there seems to be another pair of footsteps in the snow. Um, I'm going to double-check that they're not mine, and I haven't just circled around on myself. They're not yours. Um, I'm absolutely going to follow them. There shouldn't be anyone out here. Okay. So, Vence... Yes. I think um, Briss finds you in the mountains, um, but what, what are you doing? There's a particular bird that nests here in the mountains. It's important to Venza. He collects feathers from all of the birds in the region, and he uses those to pay tribute to Sharo. Um, he's come out this way because he's running low on this particular feather, and he needs to restock his supply. Have you seen any signs of the bird? Not at the moment. Not sure whether it's the snow or strong winds, but it's uh, proving hard to find. Um, and what are you doing at um, the moment when Briss stumbles upon you? I think just, you know, crouched next to a tree, watching the watching the sort of the line of the, the treetops, basically, see if I, I can see signs of a nest or something. Maybe even a bird in flight, just to catch sight of one. Give me a hint to where I can get some more feathers. You hear the crunch of snow behind you. Who are you? And what are you doing out here? I could ask you the same question. You could, but I just did. And she kind of puts her hand on her sword hilt and says, Seriously, what are you doing here? There isn't a village for miles around. Well, that's where I like to be. How about yourself? What brings you here? Um, I'm looking out for my people. We're on the move. Are you from the village down down the way? The abandoned one? I don't hail from any village. I think, Briss, um, you, you probably like look again here and go, and you start to recognise who Venz is. Like, you, he'd probably been in your village before as a, every couple of years. Yeah, okay. I remember you. So, long story, 
some of us have left the village. We're on the move out here. Uh, I'm on the lookout for danger. Is there anything around here that I should be looking out for? And I suppose, do you want to come back to the village and trade or whatever it is you do? It's a tempting offer. I've not returned to somewhere with a, a warm bed for a long time. Yeah, I can't really promise you that. We're going to be moving out before long. Look, I remember you, I remember you, uh, you seemed to entertain the children, and honestly, they could do with it. <sighs> Tell them some stories or something. People could do with lifting their spirits. Sure, I could uh, trade some stories, but I can't, I can't return with you until I've completed my little quest here. Your little quest. Yeah, what exactly are you doing out here? You never really, uh, never really answered that bit. I'm looking for a feather. Well, more than really? one feather. Feather of a flintook. It's a small, small little bird. Yes, that, I, uh, I know what a, I know what a flintook is. I'm going to regret this. Why? You're miles away from civilization. Why are you looking for feathers? Well, for Sharrow, of course. You know Sharrow didn't come around this year. People didn't pay the respects that they needed to. If we can do this, then Sharrow might might return. You watch what you say about my people. We paid all the proper respects. It was no insult about your people. There's others in this land that be responsible. Yeah, I think we met some of them. Well, Traveller, help me find this bird and we'll be on our way. Are you a good tracker? I'm not interested in hunting for birds. The village is on the river. Find the river, follow it south. I suppose I'll see you there. And she walks off, back into the forest, back the way she came. Fens is going to resume his position, just carefully scanning the, the skyline. Probably not even giving much of a reaction to what just happened. Not even a change of look on his face, just back to what he was doing. So so you're looking for a flint hook feather. What are the flint hooks like? They're small birds, almost like robin-sized. So they're small, white-feathered birds with uh, just yellow tips on the end of the feathers. It's a very distinctive look, but obviously it's hard to see the birds if they're on the ground in the snow. It's sort of like their natural camouflage. And why are their feathers important? For me to pay tribute to Sharrow, I have to have a feather from the, the main species of birds of the land. I have have all my others. I'm just missing some from the the flintook. Without them, I can't complete the ritual. Is this is this a ritual you were you were taught? Is this something, or this is just something you made up? This is something that Shara told me. They communed to me that this is what they wanted. It, it's like that, is it? <laughs> Your friend just said Shara demands fetch quests. <laughs> yeah, I'm just running around the, the blue area on the map. Five just, uh, okay, um, so how are you going about this tracking? Just careful, um, slow movements. Obviously, I don't want to disturb any anything else that might be in the area. Just taking my time. I'm not in a rush to be anywhere. As much as I'd like to complete this, this tribute, I know that when Shara deems it time that I'll find this feather, I'm I'll find it. It sounds like you're maybe also doing a pay attention to the world around you move. Yeah. So how are you feeling right now? 
peaceful, I'd say. It's, you know, this is relaxed even. You know, this is the sort of the sort of things I spend my entire life doing in my element, knowing that I'm going to please a remnant. Okay. Uh, would you like to make a roll? Okay. Oh. <laughs> so close. That's six. Um, so you mark experience. You spend the rest of the day searching along like the base of Karn Veskel, which is where you know that the flinthook tend to nest. You're kind of not expecting to see too many of them around, but you're kind of hoping you'd see some of their old nests and find old nests that might have some feathers left in. And you do find some of those nests, but they seem to be so old. It doesn't seem like they've been here this year. It doesn't seem like they've nested this year, and you just can't find anything that you need. Halfway up the mountain, you kind of take a moment to look around you, uh, to, to look over the shallow the land that a kind of steward for, I guess. And as you look south, in the distance, uh, you can just see a, what looks to be a giant wall of white, and above it just grey clouds stretching for miles, with the bright flashes of lightning running through it. It seems that a storm's coming this way, and it's a bad one. South of the villages, or just south of the mountains? South of the villages, but not by much. Like, it'll probably be on them within the next day or two. Hmm. Well, that that woman did say that the people did pay proper respects to Sharo. Perhaps I should head down to warn them. I'm going to have one more small look around for some feathers and then head down towards Ninut. Sure. So it's probably getting a little bit later um, in the afternoon at this stage, maybe like three or four, and the sun has already nearly fully dipped beneath the horizon, and with it the cold is setting in. Um, Belka, what are you doing right now? Belka has climbed up onto the roof of one of the buildings, and is sat sort of watching watching the horizon and the changing skies, and um, between both hands there's these nets of string, like a cat's cradle sort of, but um, asymmetric, and it looks sort of a bit ugly unfinished, but they're working with purpose, so it seems to be going as planned. And what are they working on? Uh, they're working on a, a story net of of the day. So sort of a really quick, cheap way um, that keepers record things. Is There's different knots for different aspects of the day. Bits will symbolise sort of people or weather changes or particularly interesting colours or that sort of thing. It's like a little bit of a sketch. Yeah, it's kind of like a like a net sketch. Okay, and what are the main things that have happened today? What are the interesting bits? Well, the interesting things that Belka has spotted from the roof today were largely um, children playing, a really magnificent sunrise, uh, Chala being dragged sopping wet out of a building, presumably being scalded, but couldn't really hear from where they were, and the winds picking up. So have you been sat on this building all day? All day. <laughs> just, just you know, watching. Hmm. I, I, I think like this is probably the point where someone um, comments on that. I think you, you hear um, a voice from from somewhere below you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear them go, "Are you, you going to be up there all day?" <laughs> Do I know the voice? Do I know who this is? Um, I don't. I don't think you immediately recognise it. Okay. 
Well, I'll get down anyway, I suppose, because it seems rude to just ignore someone. Getting down, I think, probably is a much more elegant affair than the somewhat scrambly, jangly, working my way up there. Just sort of can jump down from here. Sure. Um, you kind of like land on the ground and, and you find yourself in front of two people, uh, two men who are kind of like holding each other arms in arms. And one of them is kind of kind of like quite thick, I guess, I guess like well-kept beard and like underneath it there's this thick, broad smile. And he kind of like thrusts um, a cup at you and goes, I, br- I brought you this. Thought you might get a bit of cold up there. Oh, thank you. What, what is this? Stew. What is stew? <laughs> he kind of just like raises an eyebrow. Uh, <laughs> food. Like a soup. Oh, okay. I know soup. Um, what's in this stew? The, the the hunters have been have been out quite a lot, so there's probably some some game. There's a, yeah, there's some mushrooms, bit of dried game. It's it's not the best, but it'll, it'll warm you up. I'm Tyel, by the way. Hello. This is Polav. It kind of like indicates to the to the um, I guess older looking guy who's kind of on his arm, who's uh, kind of quite tall and thin, um, with like a drawn face, and I guess like quite calloused hands. Polav just kind of like nods at you. Berka tries a little bit of this stew, and it's, it's okay, it's pretty good. Um, and then reaches in to their sort of garments, pulls out a... It looks basically like just a burnt stick and sort of thrusts it at Polav and goes, um, I, I like your names. Write them for me. Um, and they just hold out their palms, both of them. Just like just like one to each. It just waits. <laughs> <laughs> so who's got the stick? You have the stick? I gave it to Polav. Okay. And then you're holding out your palms. Yeah. Polav just kind of like looks kind of in like a really bemused way at the stick and then looks at Tyel. And Tyel goes, what, what do you mean write it for us? How do we do that? Show us how. And Tyel kind of like holds his hand forward and gives, and like takes the stick from Polav and gives it to you. Yes, we'll write them on you instead. That's better. Berka writes a name on each of them in their... F- first language goes well this is your names for me how, how does the writing happen just uses the stick on the palm of each of them and it so leaves it's just like a pen it basically. leaves sort of like an ashy smear as you go tell like kind of like laughs and goes i get it and just goes our turn and just goes to write on your hands okay and they go back out i mean they both like write their names on your hand excellent see every day i am learning words and then rubs both hands together and <laughs> smears them off. <laughs> anyway, uh, me and Paul, I've just wanted to let you know there's a there's another meeting in town tonight. Um, around the fires, about an hour. Again, exciting. Will we be moving soon? Well, that's what this is about. Uh, hope hopefully we convince them to move. Hmm. Some of some of the elders uh, they want to wait, but I think it's time. Um, Not much happens here. Yes. Hopefully you can help us convince them. But the others think you speak for the Weaver. <laughs> Belka sort of laughs at that, but nods and looks a bit flattered and says, well, let's see what we can do. Tal kind of like, just kind of nods and goes, thank you. And Palav just kind of like makes a weird gesture that you don't recognise with your hands and like walks away with him. Hmm. So yeah, I guess there are five members of the parish. And I guess Belka as the storyteller like seems the most natural, at least to this group of people, to be the leader of that. 
like you're, you're the most recognisable person with some sort of authority or like gravitas. Sure. So this meeting then. Yeah, should we jump ahead to that? How far away would you say I am, travel-wise? I don't think you'll be there for the start of a meeting, but I think you're at the stage where you could probably join in on the meeting at some point. Oh, dramatic entrance midway through the meeting. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, the fires have like were started an hour ago, and everyone's kind of sat around in a circle for the meeting. Belko, are you there? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Briss? Uh, yes, if she knew there was something going on, Briss probably would have basically pretty. She probably headed straight back after she uh, after she met Ben's. I imagine like children are kind of not necessarily like not allowed to go, but are kind of frowned upon. I, I kind of imagine them like being on the outskirts and just kind of watching and expected to be quiet. Definitely on all the perches around, just kind of sitting. I mean, it is just adults talking. It's not that interesting. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like it's adults talking when they don't want us there necessarily, and they're making big decisions. <laughs> that is kind of an interesting thing to watch. I think the meeting's kind of like quite tense, and everything feels quite fractured. I I, I don't think the group has hit on a way of leading itself yet. There's this old way of of like leadership, which is every family appoints an elder, and they are the people that speak for the family, but. I guess with the War of the Jackals, like families are already kind of broken anyway, and then especially after leaving, that they're broken even further. And there was that moment with Aya where some of those sort of ways of leading ourselves kind of fell apart anyway. So I think at the minute it's kind of everyone speaks for themselves, and some people demand more respect and more silence. But generally, whoever can put forward the best argument kind of wins. And I think some of the old elders kind of hold a little bit more weight because they've been trained for this right and they can kind of still manage to pull their families in line to kind of take decisions with them i think there are six kind of rough families um one of them is charla's family with tamil as the elder uh so there's tamil and um charla's parents and charla's siblings um and and they're very much in favor of leaving um same with jedda they're also kind of like at a stage where they want to leave like they're, they're still kind of want to wait for people to turn up, but if they have to leave, they will leave. Uh, the main block of resistance comes from Tyal's father, um, Stanka, who is fiercely opposed to leaving while others from the village might still return, and is actually wants to go back to the village to gather gather any that might still survive, or like might still be able to get out of there. And then there is um, Callan's family, so Callan was one of the hunters, and they are very much opposed to leaving. And then there's the, there's the latest family, who are headed by Ayin and Savel, a small group of six people, who, who are the ones that came a couple of days ago. And they're kind of split on whether anyone else is coming. And then the other two groups are Briss and Corrin, and the Parish. Jedda seems to be chairing the meeting, and right now, like, Stanka, who is, um, like, an old person with long grey hair that falls almost to their, all the way down their back, and they're quite short. Um, and they, they're kind of stood in the centre going, We must wait. We must wait for whoever may come. We shouldn't leave this place. We shouldn't leave until we have to. We can't abandon our town. We we can't abandon them. We, we've got Callum, we've got Shu. We've got Briss. Maybe they can go back and collect some of the people that were lost. Maybe they can help them on the way. We, we're nothing if we're torn apart like this. We followed the river north. No one's going to get lost. 
It's not exactly a difficult landmark to, to track. If they wanted to find us by now, they would have done so. They made it perfectly clear that they were happy for us, us to leave. And as far as I'm concerned, that was that. Ayn, Savelle, honestly, do you really think anyone else was going to leave? How come you delayed so long? Why did you risk coming here on your own? If anyone else was, was going to leave, surely they would have come with you, right? Savelle kind of, like, stands up and, like, looks... No, they, 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 there were more. There were more that were going to come this way, Dad. Did they say that, or do you just think that? Gamav and his family, they, they were definitely going to come this way. They said they just needed one more day to say their goodbyes, and Ayn kind of, like, touches Savelle on the arm, and, like, Savelle kind of, like, breaks into tears. So they were going to leave a day after you. You've been here for two days already, and let's be honest, you're not, you weren't exactly moving at the quickest of paces, right? Stanka kind of, like, stands back up. This is what I mean. We need, we need people like you that, that are strong to go and protect them and lead them to us. I did that once already, when everyone left. I'm not a babysitter. If we just stay here for, for, for any, any longer, we're going to get settled. And as soon as we get settled, it's going to be harder to leave. We're, we're still too close. We need to, we need to go somewhere else. We need to get a new start. This is... I could walk home in a couple of days from here. What's to stop anyone else from doing that? People need to make up their minds. We can't just hover. We can't... If we have to wait a couple more days for one more family, I guess I could go look for them, but... She looks up around at the rest of the group and says... We need to move on. I'll go look for them if everyone else gets ready to leave. How's that? This sounds like manipulate? Probably manipulate, yeah. Yeah, I think so. How are you feeling right now? Probably a little bit annoyed. She's impatient. Bringing a whole herd with us is... She'd much rather just keep moving. And while she has a responsibility to these people, they're still really annoying. Uh, I guess that might be mad. Sure. I think she's a bit... Yeah, she's a bit pissed off. Um, oh. Nope. I do not succeed. Um, so you roll a six. Um, I roll a six. Okay, mark experience. Yeah, so you're probably just you're trying to put that point across that you you'll go back if everyone else helps, but I imagine you put it across badly and probably snap at Stanker a little bit. Oh yeah. It's not so much that the other side seem to be concerned with not leaving. It it's more that they're not quite ready to leave. Like they're not ready to leave their homes and what everything it means behind. There's, there's something that just seems to be holding them here. After you put across your point, the, the meeting just kind of erupts into petty arguments. For the next half an hour, it's just Jeddah trying to be diplomatic, trying to get both people to see their points. But it just it's just giving you a headache, to be fair. Um, she's, she's sat fairly close to the fire, and this, this stuff's all going on around her, and doesn't quite put her head completely in her hands but basically just like sighing heavily looking around at everyone not not wanting to cut in on people but eventually she just stands up and goes shut up well everyone just we're not getting anywhere we're not resolving anything you're just you're all just saying the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again why don't we just have a vote or something okay just everyone has their say nice and quiet a system we need a system otherwise we're just going to stay here for the rest of our bloody lives arguing about whether or not we leave. We left for a reason. We've already left. It's like a little sort of clattering sound, which is 
Belka sort of tipping their head from side to side, making all the charms on their horns sort of crash together, which is basically like applause. This is the only input Belka's had so far. They nod at, at Briss quite appreciatively and reluctantly sort of stand up. Stanga kind of just like looks at you and goes, Ah, the parish speak up. They're the ones that put us in this mess. They're the ones that tore us apart. Belka sort of gives him a sympathetic look. Your choice is hard, and I understand that. But why do you wish to stay here? For your community? That comes with you. For your for your heritage? That comes with you. For your customs? That comes with you. What you leave behind our homes and things, and that is replaceable. You take who you are with you, you take your stories with you, and seeds must travel far to root again, or the plant will wither, and if you stay here, you will wither. So leave, and be stronger. Chala finds that extremely wonderful, and is like kind of like bouncing up and down, like, oh, that sounds awesome, type thing. <laughs> Quietly, in a way of that course. no one notices. Just, just like imagining Charlie just like jiffling like an excited little kid. Yeah, basically. I, I think like Stanka sort of like sighs and you see like, it's one of those sighs that goes through their entire body and you see like this great weight fall out of them, like like their presence just kind of fades. Not everything will go with us. Our culture is tied to this land. It's tied to who we are. It's the, everything around us, the flowers, the trees, the river, the cliffs, the remnant. All of that makes up who we are. Our history, our heritage, is back in that village. It's in the stones. It's in the sweat that laid them. It's in the buildings that we built. It's in the graves there, though. It's in the graves of my aval. She is there. I, I, I can't leave her behind. Belka sort of nods as though they agree a little bit, but looks back at him and, and says, well, but you remember all those things. Yes? I remember a lot of things, but it's not the same as being. Remembering is being. Tell the story and the thing is. If the winds sweep you away, who remembers? No one. And then the thing is not. This is my home. He kind of says as he sits down. And yet my son wants to drag me away from it. You just see like a look of like... Like a, a, a slight grimace on Tyrell's face as like Prolife just kind of like taps him on the back of the head. I think a strong gust of wind uh, follows me in, and it's sort of an announcement of my arrival. Walking at a fairly good pace, uh, just using my staff to help me in my, my walk, approaching the group. I think Jedda is the one that stands up first and just kind of doesn't say anything, but looks at you. Out of recognition, I think. I think most people here will know who you are. Uh, what do you do? Nod towards them and maybe warm my hands on the fire a little bit first so I don't say anything to start. Just Ah, glad glad you could uh, make it, old man. Did you find your bird? No birds had been there in a long time. Something is awry. Yeah, um, that's not really our, our primary concern at the moment. We need to be moving on. It should be. What I did see at the top of... The heights of Khan Veskel, though, is a storm far larger than I've seen before. Ferocious, even. It's it's coming this way. It's coming from the south. I, I, I don't know what you could do to, to stop it, or... How long? Half a day. 
maybe more, but I wouldn't like to guess. Well, I guess that settles that then. She looks around at the rest of the group. This kind of it kind of like explodes into kind of like this like a different kind of argument that you were having earlier. Like like there's like a mix of panic and a mix of action, and some people still being stubborn and ignoring the words of Vence, um, and some kind of just going, "Why should we trust him?" But most people seem to be set in a kind of firm, rooted panic of wanting to get something done. We can't leave. We can't leave if there's a storm coming. But you must. This this village is not enough. These buildings, they will not protect you. If it's half a day away, it could catch up with us. There's there's no... I'm not, I'm not going out on the road. There's too many children. We won't be able to hunt. We won't be able to farm. We won't be able to scavenge. And we'll have nowhere to hide from the snows and the and the winds. At least there's walls here. At least there's roofs, as flimsy as they might be. I think Ven's, um, you probably know that this storm isn't the kind of storm that walls will survive. It's something driven by, by forces beyond just the weather. You know that not a regular storm would bring me here. This is something far, far different that I I can't explain to you, but you must trust me, I would not have come here if it wasn't of the utmost importance that you needed to leave, and you need to take everyone with you. For the people that stay behind will stay behind forever. These walls are sturdy. This that that's That's ridiculous. Even if it was as powerful as you say, it'll catch us. We, we stand a much better chance under roofs. I've been in storms before. I'm not putting all these people at risk. They're, they're elderly. We won't be able to outrun a bloody storm, no matter how powerful, no matter how dangerous it is. We're still safer here. This is. There's no other decision to be made. You must leave. If anyone stays, this is where they will, they will rest. Why should we believe you? What's your what's your expertise? Why do you I mean, you don't travel a land telling us the weather. What do you do? What's what's the point of you? There are many people here that know the point of me. I am here to protect this land. Sometimes unfortunately you are in this land. So I must protect you as well. By collecting feathers, right? So what kind of birds you need to fetch to give a tribute to whatever this is? I can't answer that question. I do not have time to commune. We must go. Most of the room seem to be just like shouting in arguments. Like it, it, you're struggling more and more to get your voice heard. Do you want to make a manipulate roll, Benz? Sure. How are you feeling? Sort of, I'd say, confident. You know, I'm. I I know I'm right. Is it probably powerful? Yes. Ouch! I rolled a six. Wow. You lose the crowd. The crowd is shouting and panic and recriminations. It's people trying to settle arguments or or grudges or feuds and and not listening to each other. And despite how much you try and get your voice heard, you just can't. Until the gust blows out the fire and everything goes dark. What do people do? That's that's not right. That shouldn't have happened. Briss uh, stands up, stands up, and sort of tries to raise her voice. Is everyone still shouting? Has that kind of stopped the the arguments? It, it stopped the arguments, but it, uh, the noise has been replaced by the noise of the weather, of the storm, of the wind. It's not what you normally expect a storm to sound like. It sounds like 
there is like laughter and screams and cheering on the wind, like harsh voices mixed in with the gales. Okay, that's well beyond her realm of expertise. Um, she starts shouting to everyone to calm down and get the fire relit, but as as soon as she hears this, she tries to spot Vens by whatever light's left. Uh, she looks to where he was standing and says, What the hell is that? Only what I tried to warn you of. This is a storm like no other, and you cannot protect yourselves from this. You need to leave. We need to go now. We have elderly. We have children. We'll have to gather people. All we can do is try, but we must go soon. <laughs> okay, everyone, gather up your families. We're leaving. Most people kind of burst into action. You can see the resolve on their faces. Um, but would you like to make a... Probably lead people through a dangerous situation role, which is when you lead people through a dangerous situation, yourself or others roll. On a 10 plus, you do it. On a 79, pick two. You don't suffer harm. Nothing is left behind. You don't end up in another dangerous situation. How are you feeling right now? Powerful. She's giving orders now. All the, the uncertainty, the need to appease everyone else and keep everyone happy is gone. She just needs needs stuff done right now. And that's a 10. Nice. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> That is a... Oh, that's a straight-up success. I don't even have to have bad things happen. Yeah, Um, so you start bellowing orders, raising your voice over the loudness of the gales. People rush about you and around you. Like, a lot of them were kind of already ready for something like this. They're already ready to leave, but they're not quite settled in this place that was never home. Within the hour, in the dead of the night, with just torchlight to guide you, as the snow starts to come down and settle... You leave the village. Even those that were that were dead set on staying, people like Stanka and uh, Savell, like are convinced to join and to come with you. You split the packs, the gear, the animals between you and march. Which way do you go? Away from the storm. Uh, it was coming from the south, right? Yeah. Um, so we're going to go northwest, skirt the bottom of Carnvescal. Through the forest. Through the forest, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to stay off the slopes. It's exposed up there. Maybe the, the trees will keep keep some of the wind at bay. Um, and the, the, the people who had their whole families around, uh, she told them to, to grab torches and get lights um, as, and send somebody off to get their, their belongings. Anyone who had family members who weren't at the meeting had to go and fetch them immediately, pack up their stuff, form into groups, make sure that everyone was accounted for, each family is responsible for their own people. And it's not until she's got everyone else sorted out that she remembers that she hasn't doesn't know where Corin is. Um I mean you find Corin um with Charla and her family and Tamil. Okay. Corin, I I need you to stay with these people. I can't look after you right now. I need to I need to look after everyone. Do you understand? Corin I guess I, I kind of imagine you like knelt down with your hand on his shoulder sort of thing and just kind of like looks you in the eyes and just like with a resolve that you really see in children just kind of like nods. I understand. And what's more, I needed you to look after them too, okay? This isn't a, a one-way thing. I'll try. That's good. I know you will. And then Colin just kind of like hugs you. Um, uncomfortably pats him on the back <laughs> and says, I, 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 need to, I need to go. And heads off to the the town to see who's gathered, ready to move. Okay. I think I think everyone's gathered. Um 
we leave with an image of everyone gathered around and Briss at the head just coaxing them, leading them, telling people what to do and where to stand and how to form the column that they need to form. I imagine like you've kind of made sure that there's someone with some sort of knowledge, ability to survive in each group, and then just the column slowly moving forward in the night under the snow with the torches.